Welcome to the Niche Podcast, your weekly rundown of the biotech, pharma, clinical research, and life science industries. I'm your host, Dr. Noah Goodson. This week, double acquisitions in Switzerland, FDA holds and what that means, CMV therapy, rare plus oncology continues, Biochrist draws millions, and deer. The views expressed on the Niche Podcast are those of the host and guests. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any organizations or companies with which they are affiliated. The Swiss company, V4 Pharma, has announced two acquisitions. First, they're grabbing the Spanish startup Sanofit Therapeutics for $231 million and a further $192 million in milestones. This move strikes a unique chord for a number of reasons. First, Sanofit is a one-molecule company with SNF472 as their sole asset for the treatment of end-stage kidney disease patients with calcific uremic arteriolopathy. In basic terms, SNF472 treats calciphylaxis, which occurs when calcium deposits build up and block small arteries. Those with the condition have less than 50% chance of making it a year. Sanofit not only has a really promising therapeutic that could make the fast track through EMEA and FDA, but you heard correctly that they're a Spanish company. Spain is not well known for their biotech startup infrastructure. However, deals like this may spur more innovators and investors to craft collaborations. In a second announcement, V4 is acquiring fellow Swiss company Inositec for a much more price-conscious about $22 million plus milestones. Inositec's lead candidate, INS3001, is not unlike SNF472 in that it treats calcification disorders. However, Inositec's asset is earlier in the clinical development stage with a phase one starting this coming week and earlier in the treatment paradigm targeting early stage calcification disorders. The two acquisitions together position V4 with a strong calcification disorder portfolio in development. The FDA has placed a hold on Cura Oncology's Phase 1b leukemia study after a patient passed away. The study is treating patients with relapsed or refractory acute myeloid leukemia, AML, with their investigational therapy KO-539. A temporary pause after a participant dies is common practice and does not necessarily indicate the study will be stopped. Normal practice is that an investigation and determination will be made, followed by additional recommendations and updated participant consent as needed. In this case, the suspicion is that differential syndrome, DS, formerly known as retinoic acid syndrome, is at fault. DS happens when therapies lead to cellular migration and release of inflammatory factors. The confusing suite of symptoms include unexplained fever, respiratory distress, pulmonary infiltrates, and capillary leakage leading to renal failure. Untreated, DS is fatal within a week. But if caught and treated with accessible therapies like dexamethasone, there are good survival curves. The real key here for Cura is to determine if DS is at fault and issue robust guidance to sites, participants, and physicians for close monitoring moving forward. Shares dropped about 30% on the news. I would say provided DS is at fault and occurrence rates remain low, this likely represents a delay and not a stop in Cura's pipeline. But things are not settled yet. 
cytomegalovirus, CMV, is a common virus carried by 40 to 100% of the adult population with almost no notice taken. However, in severely immunocompromised individuals, it can represent a major life-threatening condition. For transplant patients who are on strong immunosuppressors, it's one of the most common infections, and a number of common CMV strains are resistant to available antivirals. Last week, the FDA approved Takeda's new oral antiviral to treat CMV, Maribavir, which significantly lowered CMV infection rates compared to standard therapies. Maribavir works through suppressing CMV's ability to replicate and encapsulate. This is good news for transplant patients everywhere, and another step in our ongoing battle against evolving viruses. The FDA has approved a cancer therapy developed by Adai Bioscience to treat malignant picomas. With cases occurring in just one out of a million people, this is definitely an ultra-rare category. The therapy, sold as Fiero, is a protein-bound particle injection that acts as an mTOR inhibitor. As with other mTOR inhibitors, this one will come with a list of warnings. But with survival rates negligible if untreated, Fiero certainly represents a ray of hope. In the larger context, this is another therapy chalked up to rare or oncology approvals. And looking at pipelines, I don't think this will stop anytime soon. BioChrist raised $350 million by selling $50 million in equity to Royalty Pharma, along with $150 million for tiered royalties of Orladio. Omer's Capital also purchased $150 million in tiered royalties. We don't often speak about royalty raises, so as a reminder, this capital model has investors' return driven by the sales of therapy, providing cash to drive further investment or commercialization. Investors may earn 3% of sales up to $1.5 billion, for example, and tear down from there, or whatever the specific deal stipulates. Orladio is an approved therapy in multiple regions to treat hereditary angioedema, HAE, attacks through a once-daily oral therapy. In this case, BioChrist is leveraging this capital to expedite their existing Factor D pipeline. In case you missed the news, the USDA is also interested in COVID-19, but this time it's in the white-tailed deer population. A preprint from Penn State University and a publication from the Department of Agriculture agree that white-tailed deer across the United States are developing COVID-19. The studies detected both COVID-19 RNA and COVID-19 antibodies, respectively. Collectively, the data suggests that while not homogenous, COVID-19 has spread to populations and may be linked to human-deer interactions. Now, all of this is important because as the global pandemic continues to evolve, with variants like Omicron appearing this week, there are a wide array of COVID-19 reservoirs where the viruses may move to another species and then migrate back. There's not indication at this time if COVID-19 adversely impacts the deer or if it can travel from deer to humans. Longitudinal data shows it certainly arrived in their population from us humans. The main takeaway is that it's likely COVID in one form or another will be with us for a long time to come. Another takeaway might be that it's quite reasonable that COVID arrived in humans from other species. Thanks.
Thanks for joining me on the Niche Podcast, your weekly summary of the top news in the biotech, pharma, clinical research, and life science industries. You can learn more at thenichepod.com or find us on your favorite podcast app. Like, comment, subscribe, and most of all, share with your friends. If you like what you hear, please rate and review. It really helps us. Once again, I'm Dr. Noah Goodson. I'll see you next week.